Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I am flying solo today. Simone is busy doing in the important work as always. Um, she has a, a meeting with some folks today um, to present on um, STEM, actually, and working on, on the coast. So um, a good reason for her to, to miss, but we, we I certainly miss her um, and look forward to catching up soon. Um, but I'm very excited to have um, a first-time guest on Delta Dispatches, uh, Kate Tanian is a visitor services manager with Pontchartrain Conservancy, and she works at the New Canal Lighthouse in New Orleans, among um, doing other other things for the conservancy. So, very excited to have her on and talk a little bit about some of the exciting work that they have going on. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, Kate. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. Have you been enjoying Mardi Gras festivities? How are you feeling? I know we're kind of right in the midst of things now. You know, I have actually been a terrible New Orleanian this year. <laughs> I have not attended anything. Luckily, my neighborhood uh, really does New Orleans up. So they fully embraced the house float movement. So I have been able to get sort of vicarious celebration in. But this weekend, it's all going to change. This weekend, I'm going in fully jumping into the deep end. I see. I fully respect that. You have to pace yourself. We all know it is a marathon. It's not a race. If you want to sit out the first weekend of parades and save it up for you know the second and lead against Mardi Gras, that's totally legitimate. And I'm so glad that they're doing the house float still. That was one of those really cool things that actually came of you know COVID and unfortunately not being able to do Mardi Gras, but driving around and seeing all the really cool houses and, and how creative people were with decorating it. Their, their houses for Mardi Gras. It was great. So I'm glad that it's a, a tradition that is continuing. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite one around your neighborhood? Well, I, I, I no longer am in New Orleans. So I'm actually oh, in, no. in Minneapolis now. Um, so I don't we don't have any house floats here. Um, but one thing that is interesting, uh, people in Minnesota leave their Christmas decorations up like all through winter. Like, I don't know if it's a you know, a seasonal affective disorder, or they just figure like, you know, with the cold and the snow, the, the lights help um, keep things cheery. But it has been nice to walk around and see Christmas decorations still in, in uh, February, I guess. So that's our version of Hazlitz. But definitely thinking of everyone back in New Orleans right now. I've been keeping up with a lot of friends, uh, you know, and seeing their social media posts and people in parades or at parades. And so really happy that folks are able to get back out and enjoy carnival season this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's better. It's good to have a little bit of, well, I guess I'm not sure if anything in New Orleans qualifies as normalcy, but <laughs> a little bit of normalcy back. Yes. A return to the uh, absurdity, I guess. Um, so Kate, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. I mentioned your visitor services manager with Pontchartrain Conservancy, but yeah, tell us about your background and how you came to that role. Sure. Well, um, so I grew up in uh, St. Louis, um, so on the Mississippi River. I seem to never want to get too far from the Mississippi or one of its tributaries anyway. For college, I went to Chicago, uh, got a film degree there and worked at a, a company called Getty Images for about 10 years. Um, and uh after 2005, a group of us started coming down to New Orleans to um, work with the 
PRC down here, which is the Preservation Resource Center and Holy Cross, which is um, a neighborhood down here that got particularly hit by uh, Katrina. So we were coming down and helping doing teardowns and rebuilds and um, not to make myself sound uh, more knowledgeable about architecture than I am. I was just hitting things with sledgehammers, to be clear. <laughs> I was not doing plumbing or anything like that. Um, but I just fell in love with the city. Um, so I moved down here and um, decided to bolster my film degree with an environmental science degree. Um, while I was pursuing that degree, I was volunteering with um, Pontchartrain Conservancy, um, which is was then uh, Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. Um, that volunteer gig became a part-time job. And once I finished my degree, it became a full-time job. So that's how I sort of stepped into this role um, of doing basically environmental education. Um, and it was great because I wouldn't, you know, I sort of had this dream of marrying the environmental science degree with the film degree. Uh, I didn't actually think it would work, <laughs> but it did. <laughs> so I stepped into a role, you know, creating um, exhibits that explain a lot of the different mechanisms that drive the ecosystems down here. That's so interesting. And, you know, we talk a lot on the show about all the different intersections of, um, you know, different backgrounds and professions with with the coast and people don't often think about you know you can have a direct impact on coastal issues even if you're not a scientist or an engineer you know we, we often feature authors and artists of all forms and so I, I definitely think from a cultural perspective and an architectural perspective um, there's that connection certainly and I have to say I am a former resident of Holy Cross I absolutely loved my neighbors and neighborhood um, and it's just great to see a lot of the work that went into um, helping a lot of those areas um, oh, recover. Yeah. So very cool. Well, tell us a little bit about your day-to-day -day at Pontchartrain Conservancy. Um, I imagine it can change drastically depending on the day, but, but what's an average day like for you? Sure. So like any nonprofit, uh, we all wear a lot of hats. Everyone, we're a very small team here at the Lighthouse. Um, I'm lucky that I work with a team of folks that are really talented and can move easily from very diverse task to very diverse task. Um, so every day is a little bit different. It can start with hosting a group of uh, students. This morning, as soon as I am um, stop talking to you all, I'm going to hurry and run downstairs because I have a group of high school students arriving and we're going to talk about building underwater drones. And then we're actually going to build some underwater drones and drive them around the lake. So we can go from that to, you know, a family from Wisconsin coming in and we talk about all of the various critters that live in the lake, show them a little bit about the estuary and how our levee systems work, all of the things that the uh, folks from Wisconsin might not have ever experienced before that make this part of the world so unique. Then that could move on to, you know, chatting up an old sailor who just stops by the lighthouse. Maybe they were stationed here as a Coast Guard when this was a Coast Guard station and roll right into a wedding you know, or a corporate crawfish boil, somebody who's rented the place. So um, that 
would be a an average day here at the yeah. world. It's just keeps you on your toes, I'm sure, and keeps <laughs> keeps things interesting. Well, if you don't mind, I have to take a moment of personal privilege and share a story um, of an experience I had with you, Kate, at the lighthouse. Um, you know, in December, I was visiting back home, but visiting Louisiana and my family, and I went with um, my sister and, and my three nephews, who were all between the ages of three and thirteen, and my dad, and, and we had lunch at Blue Crab because, of course, I wanted oysters. And then I was just thinking, oh, what, where can I take my nephews after? Um, and so I was like, well, let's just walk down to the lighthouse. You know, it's right, it's right down there, and we can look around, and maybe the exhibit's open. Um, and of course, Kate, you were working. And you let us into the exhibit. And then my, you know, my nephews, like a lot of boys their age, I mean, they love Legos, they love building things. And so they stumbled upon the build your own drone, underwater drone exhibit, and they loved it. You know, and Kate, you were so just helpful and kind of, um, you know, really supportive of them as they built their drones out of PC piping, I think. And then, and actually deployed them in the water and were remote control, like driving them underwater with um, you know the drones they had just built. And so I just, such a cool experience. They were enthralled and amazed. And I think I won uncle of the year award, but certainly it was because of you, Kate, and kind of you, you know, being so gracious and thoughtful with us and, and kind of um, allowing us to have that experience. So highly recommend it for anyone, whether you're visiting locally or not, but such a cool experience. And I have to thank you again, because they, they absolutely loved it. Oh, I'm glad. I'm, gl I'm glad to hear that. And it was fun. It was, uh, I remember your nephews and they really, you can tell when kids come in, who's the scientist, who's the engineer and who's the driver. And you could tell which of those kids was going to be the scientist and which of those kids was going to be the engineer. The engineer wants to design and build and get to it and put that, launch that thing right away. The scientist wants to build something, disassemble it, build it, disassemble it, build it again until they're totally satisfied with it. So they were, they were fun. Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas certainly wanted to spend as much time as possible building the perfect, perfectly constructed drone. Benjamin just wanted to, you know, get it in the water and start driving it around. Absolutely. So very cool. Well, so tell us a little bit about the new canal lighthouse and museum. Um, as we mentioned, it's right there um, kind of by blue crab and off of Lakeshore drive. Um, but what sort of exhibits do you all have there and, and other offerings? Sure. Um, so the, the the backbone of the lighthouse is the museum tour. So inside the lighthouse itself, there's a very small museum that takes you through a very large amount of time. So we go all the way back to the building out of the, um, uh, the southernmost part of the Mississippi Delta, the formation of Lake Pontchartrain. So we're going back. 5,000 to 2,000 years till this was all uh, built out and goes all the way up through the history of the ecological history, the history of the lighthouse itself, um, and some of the critical coastal issues that we face here in Southern Louisiana. Uh, we have a wonderful group of volunteer docents who are full of information about this and great stories. We also have uh, audio guides available um, if we don't have a docent in or someone prefers to, to move through the exhibits at their own pace. Right now, uh, we only have the audio guide in English and French, but we are working hard to get other language options as well. Um, we also have some great hands-on exhibits. Uh, we've already talked about the underwater robotics program 
which is uh, if you come take a tour, you can also, again, build an underwater drone and drive it around the lake. Uh, through that, we learn some of the basics about hydrological engineering and about some of the critters that you might run into with your, I mean, not literally run into, hopefully, <laughs> with your drone. Um, we also have a public lab here. Uh, you can bring in locals, bring in water samples from around their homes, around their work, where they like to fish or swim. And we walk them through how to test for pretty much whatever they're interested in. Right now we're set up to test for algae and microplastics, but if folks call ahead, we can run all kinds of different parameters, dissolved oxygen, coliform, nitrates, whatever folks are interested in finding out about their local natural waterways. Um, we also have a citizen science program. Um, I'm sorry, I mean a community science program um, where members, come in and again, it's the same thing. They run the samples for algae and microplastics. And then that data is actually sent over to our water quality team to examine. Um, we also just opened a seed station that we're very excited about. Uh, this was made possible by um, the New Orleans Garden Study Club, which is a wonderful organization. Uh, and they, uh, you can come in and help us rebuild our wetlands from the lighthouse. So um, certainly we have a lot of programs that we can talk about later uh, where you can actually go to the wetlands as well and plant trees and grasses. But um, those are only certain times of the year. So in between, or maybe a lot of folks going out to the marsh or the swamp isn't really for them. Um, you can come, you can still help us by coming to the lighthouse. Um, and we have uh, cypress seeds, willow cuttings, tupelo seeds that you can help us plant. Um, once they sprout, we move them over to our nursery, our tree nursery in Bucktown, uh, where they stay, they grow for another year. And when they're strong enough, we actually take them out to the marsh. And so when you come in, we can show you ultimately where that tree is going to wind up. Um, now, like I said, that's uh, the cypress and willow and tupelo. We really only plant those for a certain time of the year, but do not worry. You can still come in any time of the year because we will have seeds for pollinator gardens. We'll have um, vegetables and herbs. We'll have seeds that you can use uh, that are wa for water loving plants that uh, if you're interested in building a rain garden in your home or a bioswale, um, uh, we can learn, we can teach you about that. If you help us plant some to put in our bio, educational bioswale here, uh, you can come back and check on it. You, we also have a seed library, so you can take some of these seeds home. Um, and how the seed library works is, uh, again, we'll have a variety of different seeds from um, pollinators to native plants, uh, to vegetables and herbs, take some home and then once they sprout, we just ask that you gather some of those seeds back and bring them back so we can continue the seed library as much as possible. Um, and if you come in and uh, you get really excited about it, maybe you have a kid who's really enjoying planting things and they wanna take some home, we have uh, 
biodegradable bamboo pots that you can pot some of the seeds and uh, take it home with you as well. And they can watch it grow once the plant is uh, healthy enough, strong enough, the pot will actually start cracking and you'll know that's the time that you put it either in a larger pot or into the ground. Um, and- I, I love that idea. I mean, you know, it's like from seed to swamp, but you can also, you know, take seeds for your for your own home garden, bring back seeds. It's like a little free library of seeds. So, and and that's all available anytime that the, uh, the lighthouse is open. Is that correct? Correct. Um, the for the underwater robotics for right now, it's a good idea to call ahead only because there needs to be two people here. Um, but for the most part, we'll just say yes, come on in. Um, and if you have groups, all of those programs can be run uh, a little bit more in depth as well for groups. So school groups, scout groups, after school programs, birthday parties. You know, we can certainly. Uh, for say the seed station, we add activities like making seed paper. Um, so the group can, each member of the group can go home with seed paper that they can use to send a card to say their grandparents and doing flower prints, that sort of thing as well. So um, if you have a, a larger group, um, give us a call and we can see about setting up a program for them as well. Very cool. And that information, the contact information is on your website? Correct. So you can actually just call the lighthouse um, or you can um, email info at scienceforourcoast.org. Great. Um, Well, I want to ask, there's a very interesting history with the lighthouse and it's part of the museum exhibit, but the lighthouse actually has a history of female lighthouse keepers. So tell us a little bit about that and the exhibits that's in the lighthouse recognizing those women who were the keepers of the lighthouse for so long. Sure. Um, So our most famous light keeper is actually named Margaret Norvell. And um, she was the fifth of five female lighthouse keepers in a row to keep this particular lighthouse. Um, Now, she was famous because she was very, very good at her job. Um, So she stepped into the role the way that many female lighthouse keepers of her time did. Um, They weren't hired directly into the role, but uh, her husband was hired in. Now, lighthouse keeping is kind of like a family job, like farming. So everyone in the family contributes to the running of a lighthouse. So her husband passed away. He was actually uh, trying to save a sailor who was in distress, and unfortunately, neither of them made it back. But um, she stepped right into the role, took over the position. Uh, and that was true of, again, that was, that was commonly what happened um, should the husband have passed away or gets too ill to perform the duties. Uh, so she was, so, uh, there are so many stories about her work throughout the lighthouses, but I'll tell you just one that's my favorite one down at the lakefront airport uh which you can see the tower from from the airport from the lighthouse i'm sorry it used to be a a navy base and there was a storm one night over the lake she was looking out over the storm from the lighthouse she saw a navy plane take off from the navy base and start flying toward the lighthouse it was hit by lightning 
and it crashed into the lake. She jumped into her rowboat, rowed out into the storm, into the night, rowed toward the, the plane that had crashed, was able to pull out the pilot and save his life. So she uh, was so good at her job that they actually uh, named a Coast Guard cutter after her. It's based out of Miami, Florida. Wow, that that is incredible. And, you know, that's certainly a history of New Orleans that we don't often think about. You know, I mean, I think the history, thinking about lighthouses and sailors and lakes, I mean, obviously it's a huge part of our history. Um, I recently just discovered, although it's not by any means a new song, um, a song that's kind of an Irish ballad called The Lakes of Pontchartrain. And it talks a lot about kind of that history of, of sailing and kind of shipwrecks and, and all of that. And so um, really interesting to, to see that and, and see that documented through the Lighthouse um, exhibit. Is it, did they live in the Lighthouse when they were the keepers of it? They did. Um, not all Lighthouses functioned that way. Ours did. So yes, this she lived um, in the main building. When the Coast Guard took over, they had their berthing or they slept in the, in the main building of the lighthouse and their armory and radio room are where our gift shop are now. That's a separate building that's built out of concrete basically to take, to take the full force of the lake when the lake decides to come join us here at the lighthouse, which <laughs> yeah. it does from time to time. Yeah, that's another interesting thing. I mean, it was built, that area was rebuilt to kind of be able to withstand some of the surges and the waves that, um, you know, will come with storms every now and then. So, well, whether you're interested in history or ecology or uh, engineering, um, you know, horticulture, it, it sounds like uh, there's a lot to be offered at the, at the Lighthouse. So definitely worth checking out, whether you want to go with yourself and your family or as a school group, um, definitely go give Kate a visit. So Kate, I have to ask, um, I believe you're ready to share some breaking news with us today on Delta Dispatches. Um, I'll set this up, but um, you all have had um, uh, kind of a new mascot, a sculpture in in the lighthouse in the form of an Environmental Protection Agency's reactive fish sculpture. Um, so I want to learn more about what that is and, and what it does. But the Pontchartrain Conservancy put out a call to the public to actually name the fish. And so I know you, you've gotten a, a ton of great suggestions. But I believe you've made a decision and today you're willing to announce what the fish's name is. Is that correct? We are finally ready. Okay, so can I give you a drum roll and then yes. let's see. Let's see how that works. And the fish is named Gil. Gil. I Gil. love that. <laughs> that is such a great uh, name for the fish. Did you get a lot of good uh, responses to we did. ideas? Yeah. We did. We got some wonderful ones. I had a couple personal favorites. Um, swim Shady. Oh, that's a good one. I really one. liked. Yeah. I also liked Virginia Swims. Ooh, um, another good one. Yeah. Yep, there were some wonderful ones out there. Um, so has Gil, have you all talked about Gil before? We have not talked about Gil. So why don't you, so love all the names and congratulations to whoever, you know, selected the name Gil. Um, tell us a little bit about this reactive fish sculpture. Like what, what is its purpose? Like what does it help convey uh, to visitors? And yeah, tell us a little bit about, about who Gil is. Sure. So Gil is a mechanical fish. He was actually created by the EPA. He's a reactive fish sculpture and he translates water sensor measurements from a sonde, a sonde is a gauge. Um, so from a gauge that the USGS or United Geological Survey 
uh, installed here at the lighthouse. So the gauge or sond feeds information uh, and the fish takes it and interprets it and turns it into color. Uh, it changes color depending on the salinity. Um, it moves, so its little uh, tail flaps and how fast that tail flapping goes uh, depends on how much dissolved oxygen there is in the water column. And it rises up and down depending on the turbidity of the water or how murky the water is. That's so great. So you can go and actually, you know, just by looking at the fish, get a sense of the conditions of the lake, in other words. Absolutely. Very cool. And I'm sure that's a way to just introduce, like you were saying, all those factors that you, that Pond Conservancy is measuring across the basin, right? Salinity, turbidity, et cetera. Exactly. So our water quality team measures throughout the Pontchartrain Basin at 60 different points every week. And you can actually find that data on a great app called Lake and Coast. Very cool. Well, certainly excited to check out Gil or, or to meet Gil next time I'm in town um, and at the lighthouse. Um, and so just kind of wrapping up a little bit, you mentioned, you know, you all have a wonderful gift shop. It's full of you know, educational like toys and tools, but also beautiful artwork um, from local artists. Um, so that's another reason if you're ever looking for, you know, a holiday present, a birthday present, or just a gift for yourself, definitely check out the lighthouse. And then you also offer um, rentals for, you know, corporate events. You mentioned a corporate crawfish boil or, or weddings. Um, I'm sure it's a beautiful place to get married. So tell us a little bit about the, the gift shop, the events, um, and, and what else is offered there. Absolutely. Um, Michelle, who does the buying for the shop, has a great eye. She has been picking some wonderful stuff that flies off the shelf here at the gift shop. We have a selection of educational toys, clothes, books. Um, we have uh, postcards, art, um, and Michelle does everything she can to work with local vendors and make sure that those vendors use sustainable practices. So the gift shop is a wonderful place to come and get something for yourself or get something for a friend. Awesome. And then if you are, you know, looking, I mean, people are coming back together. They're, we're doing more in-person events. Um, so you could do a team retreat out there or if you want to get married, it's a good place to, to have that. So you could also get in touch about um, renting the space for different uses as well, correct? Absolutely. Yep. Um, come on by. We have... Uh, it's a great space, again, for crawfish boils. We have a ton of corporate crawfish boils here, birthday parties. Um, it's very affordable, and it's really beautiful. Well, uh, that's good to know. Um, so beyond the lighthouse, you all have a lot going on as well. You mentioned um, earlier kind of the swamp restoration, volunteer opportunities. But tell us about some of the events that are upcoming for Pontchartrain Conservancy. Sure. So um, there are a bunch of different ways that you, if you're interested in getting involved with Pontchartrain Conservancy, that you can. Um, as I mentioned, we have the seed station here, but we also have the sapling repotting over at our Cypress Nursery in Bucktown. And they regularly need help. Now, once those saplings get old enough, they have to go out to the marsh. And so we need volunteers to come out to the marsh, which is 
a beautiful experience. It's just, it's amazing to get out there in nature, get your hands dirty and, and rebuild our coastline. Um, we also have uh, annual litter pickups throughout the city. Um, and as I mentioned before, we have our community science programs. And I mentioned a couple of the programs we have here at the museum, but we actually have a variety of programs that you can check out um, on our website. All of these things actually are your first stop to find all of our events is go to scienceforourcoast.org. And if you click on events, you'll see all of the different things and ways that you can help us and get involved with Pontchartrain Conservancy. Awesome. Well, Kate, it was so nice uh, catching up with you and learning more about all the offerings at the Lighthouse and beyond. Um, you're obviously always welcome back on Delta Dispatches anytime you will have a great event or something you want to promote. I know, you know, we just finished it, but you all, you all do lights on the lake and there's a lot of seasonal activities as well. So we'll be sure to promote those. Um, but in the meantime, I do have to, I don't know if you're aware, but on Delta Dispatches, we have to ask a fun question for every guest. So okay you know, it's, it's that time of year. So I guess the fun question is, um, do you have a favorite Mardi Gras song that you just really love and gets you in the mood to go out to the parades or, you know, go check out the house floats? Is there kind of one go-to Mardi Gras song that you love? That is a great question. Um, I don't know that it's specifically a Mardi Gras song, but when I'm feeling particularly in love with New Orleans, I probably listen to Eliza Jane. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And I think, yeah, we can go broader than just Mardi Gras. I mean, um, <laughs> I feel like it's so hard for me to pick. I mean, there's so many. I love, you know, like Mardi Gras Mambo. I love Carnival Time, like some of the, you know, the classics, Ico, Ico, etc. So sure. I guess you'll, you know, what, what I will be listening to um, for the next week while it, it snows up here. And I think about you all down there, but certainly wish you have a very merry, a very happy Mardi Gras to everyone. Um, have a great time. Stay safe. And Kate, yeah, thanks so much for coming on and, and you're welcome back at any point. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I hope that you're able to find a king cake up there. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a challenge, but I'll do my best. So um, I will take both the Coastal Stat of the Week and the Coastal Voice of the Week. Um, so this week's Coastal Stat is from Pontchartrain Conservancy's Lighthouse. And it says, the new canal lighthouse isn't really new at all. It was first established in 1838 up at the north end of the new Basin Canal which ran from Lake Pontchartrain to the uptown or American section of the city, which today is known as the New Orleans Central Business District. During this time period, a record number of five female lighthouse keepers presided over the new Canal Lighthouse, one of the first non-clerical U.S. government jobs that were open to women. The canal was filled in about 1950, but the lighthouse remained on a jetty extending into the lake on a half mile long stretch of the canal that was left and is still used as a small boat and yachting harbor. The lighthouse was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1985 as the new canal lighthouse. So again, interesting history. Um, and then this week's Coastal Voice of the Week comes from Dana in New Orleans. And Dana says, I support the coast because it is home for myself and for my future family. It provides food, shelter, recreation, income, culture, and community from the lakefront of New Orleans all the way down to the river in Venice. Um, so thank you, Dana. And just as a reminder, you can go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash restore dash the dash coast and share your voice 
and we might just share it on this show. So thank you again to Kate and thank you to everyone for listening. Have a very happy Mardi Gras and we will be back soon with more great shows on Delta Dispatches. Until then, we will see y'all later, alligators.